All right, guys, welcome back to the Fastlane Podcast. My name is Kyle Parks, your CTO, and I'm sitting here with Nick Carlson, the CEO, waving like a buffoon. Um, how are we doing today, Nick? Doing great, Kyle. How are you? I'm great. I woke up this morning happy as ever. That's not unusual. For I mean, you. Yeah, well, the baby was next to me, so I was happy. <laughs> my, my baby was throwing up all night long, so that was, that was a rough night. No, mine was uh, mine was doing the little creepy crawlies. She was very uh, restless. Really? So wow. she kicked me around a little bit, but beyond that, I just kind of slept through it. Would you say she's six or seven months old now? Yeah, almost she's seven. Beautiful. She's such a cutie with those beautiful blue eyes. Oh, my God. Can't get enough of it's it. It's no wonder you're wrapped around her finger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So let's get into the second podcast. I'm enjoying this. this I think great. we can – I think this is going to – go a far long way yeah i think so too it's very very exciting and i love the ability to have a chance to 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 connect with the community exactly and it's not only just the lawn care community just the community in general whoever wants to listen just yeah snag in you yeah know? jump in um so we want to talk about credentials this podcast right yeah. um kind of where you came from i know i can go down a pretty rabbit hole for you, but I'm going to let you go into talking about it. But um, let's talk about your racing career. Um, I know, or at least from what I think I know, it started with the methanol go-karts, if did. I remember correctly. Yep. And then you found the, I believe it was the 64 and a half Mustang. Yeah, or was, was it the 69? No, 64 and a half was mine. I bought that when I was 15. And then you built it in the shed out Back behind the house. In, well, there was no shed at that point. Okay. It, it, would, it was beside the shed, and then I built that. I built like a big lean-to. Okay, that's right. Yeah. And you built it in there. Um, but let's let's start with the little the little methanol go karts. Let's. Yeah. So not actually not methanol. Just so we correct it, it's alcohol. Okay, alcohol. Meth, methanol. I think I think is probably way more powerful than alcohol. But anyways. Okay, let's build one. <laughs> yeah, let's, seriously. Let's 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 make a bomb, right? No. So <clears throat> here's what had happened. I was in. Th- third grade I think second or third grade and my father was like hey dude I'd love to get you into racing and I was like sure I'd love to get in racing I wasn't a stick and ball sport even though I'm a very large individual I just never I never felt the need to go tackling some dude I never had that desire yeah. in me to go touching people not that I'm a touch me not just like I don't know I, I didn't understand it I love I love so I have a saying I tell people all the time is that I feel most alive when I'm closest to death and I think that that's just who I'm, who I am it's in me. I don't know why. Um, but the, the alcohol fueled go-karts, uh, a friend of mine named Willie, um, was one of my classmates in my school. I used to go to a school in Pasadena, Maryland. And, um, one day I saw him, he was wearing a white shirt with red letters, red, just red, like ink, it was yeah. like a single color screen printed shirt. And, um, I'm like, dude, there's a go-kart on there. He goes, yeah, my dad just bought this racetrack in King George, Virginia, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like my dad wants to get me to go karts you know can we can can i get your number and we can connect and have our dads talk and so we we did that and uh my father's like what are the chances of that right my whole life and we i would love to do a podcast on just straight up just coincidences in my life it is scary 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 and i'm gonna i'm gonna take that back to like a lot of people call it luck and it's not luck it's where preparation meets opportunity right knowing your path knowing you want to be is crucial to that. So anyway, we'll definitely get into that in another later date. But this whole podcast, I think we're going to try to focus on, you know, on like my racing career and, you know, all the different stories and different things that, that happened. Just, it's a really fun story and it really, uh, it's really exciting on how I got here. And there was so many friends along the way that got to experience it with me. And it was just flabbergasting on what we had a chance to do. And I look back on it now and I wish I would have enjoyed it more because I was so concerned with winning. 
Um, I kind of got wrapped up in all that. And I look back now, and it's like, man, it's so incredible. So anyway, so uh, met this kid, Willie, and his uh, his dad had uh, bought a dirt track uh, called uh, King – was it King George Speedway? No, State, State Line Speedway in King George, Virginia. It's just over the uh, Potomac Bridge heading down 301. And um, went out there with my old man when I was, whatever, seven, eight years old, and uh, went to this dirt track and met a old good old boy country boy he's like oh yeah god go car sale if you want to buy it and he's he's like it's just down the road you know maybe four or five miles we were driving for an hour <laughs> so you ever heard of a country mile that's the day i learned a country mile is like 17 miles long um nice we got down there and we bought a, a go-kart it was a a margay chassis uh it was black in color um literally no body panels it's literally tubes spindles tires uh rear axle steering wheel and that's it. And, and for you guys that don't know, um, typically there's like a big plastic nose cone. There's plastic you know, side skirts. Uh, of course, an engine. Um, they don't have transmissions. They have these centrifugal clutches on them. Um, and a seat. And there was no seat in this go-kart. So we, we, we didn't even know where to buy the seat. So, key, okay, paint this big picture. Father's a copier tech. He is not a racer. We have no racing in our, in our blood whatsoever. At least he drag race a little bit in his old 69 Mustang, but that's straight line this is oval track um but this track this this uh state line speedway was dirt when we bought this go-kart late in the season uh it's school year right so in school year it's it's almost winter time it's not the same as racing racing starts when school's slowing down yeah and goes in the summer so kind of paint that picture for you so they paved that track that winter and i was very glad because i didn't want to do dirt track i want to do asphalt um don't know why I had that opinion. Just had that opinion. So we got this Margay chassis. Um, then we got this this engine from a guy named RC. Uh, he allegedly was one of the best go-kart building engine guys um, around. And he did. He, he built a really good engine. And um, over the wintertime, we we tore this go-kart down. We repainted it. We Where the side skirts, like the side panels of the go-kart get put on, there's these um, like Nerf bars that go on. And this go-kart didn't have those. So we had to like find a used pair. There's no internet at the time. It was just like landlines, no cell phones. Very difficult to figure all this Using out. Using the newspaper, seeing if you can yeah. find something that's relatively even close. In, in a town that like in Maryland, racing isn't, this is not a racing state. Yeah. It's just, it's just not. And that's fine, whatever. Uh, it just so happens where I live and you live as well. And um, so we ended up finding like used Nerf bars and we had this neighbor that knew how to weld, but not really. We welded like these little nubs on and, and got this thing together. We got this go-kart together. And then we had got this engine, and we we didn't know, like, there's gears. The, the engine had, or the, the rear axle had this big sprocket on it, and it was two-piece. So you could take it off and put different ratios on. We didn't know that. Yeah. We, we had no clue. Um, the clutch was centrifugal, and what that means is you can add weights. And as you hit the throttle, it expands. And yeah. then when it makes contact with the outer... Uh, basically like a drum like on drum brakes it then engages and that's how you go well <clears throat> we had no idea you could change the weights on those so like i'd hit the gas and it would just sit there and rev up and wouldn't go anywhere because there wasn't enough weights on it to make it expand just craziness and so we literally knew nothing and this is something i want to key on with you guys is that whenever you're wanting to do something go to where you want this is a big conversation over the weekend go to where you want to be start having conversations and then you'll start to pick up on what you need to pick up on to then achieve whatever it is you're looking to do. Um, that's that's a big thing I, uh, that a lot of people struggle with is that whole paralysis by analysis. Uh, I, I'm definitely guilty of it. 
Uh, I'm sure you have too. I mean, mm-hmm. do you have any stories on paralysis by analysis off the top it's of your head? Way too many. Too um, many. I know there's a couple when it like when it comes to like buying vehicles. I know a lot of people like kind of look into all the stats and stuff like that, or you know what's the FPG, blah blah blah. And by the time you get to a point where you're like, oh yeah, I really I would like this car. Sometimes it's like, oh yeah, that one's already sold. Well, we can get you into this one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, off the top of my head, I can't think of many. Okay. Um, but I do know I have a couple of stories. I'll I'll see if I can think of okay. one more. Yeah, I kind of threw that, I threw that at you really quick. I was just kind of interested. Anyway. So this go-kart, uh, we got it together, put it together, and which you don't realize on go-karts, the rear hubs where the where the tire mounts to, they're 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 you take a, an Allen headed wrench and you can actually loosen it and you move them in or out. Either okay. The left rear can move out or in, the right rear can move out or in. That's how you make the car tight or loose. And tight tight means when you go into a corner, the car wants to go towards the wall, like the front of the car wants to go towards the wall. And loose means you go into the corner. And the rear wants to hit the wall. So that's that's the difference between tight and loose. And so what you want to do is you want to make the cart or car, you know, roll through the corner evenly. So if you take like a solo cup and you lay it down and it's got a bigger diameter on one side and a smaller diameter on the bottom and it's bigger on top, that's called stagger. And so when you roll that cup, it, it will travel a certain arc. And in a race car, you're trying to make it run that same arc around that corner as fast as you possibly can. That's a trick to racing. And... Um, we, you know, we didn't know any of that going into it. Literally knew nothing. And we put that go-kart on that racetrack, and I was terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. And not only terrible, but terrified. I was I was an absolute mess um, nervous-wise because I didn't want to look like an idiot. You know, nobody wants to look like an idiot. But if you can embrace that, you can win at a lot of things as well. Um, so we get into this, this go-karting career of mine, and I, I can tell you the first race that I was leading – um, there was a girl, I don't remember her name, but she was on track and she wasn't very good. It has nothing to do with gender, but it has to do with the flat out. She didn't have the experience. And my father was like, watch out for her. So we go down into turn one and I'm leading this race by a cart or two lengths. I'm doing really good. This is going to be my first win. I'm going to win this race. And uh, first year, and this was probably race seven or eight, maybe nine. And um, I go down to turn one and she's right in front of me. I'm getting ready to lap her. And her cart drifts up off the bottom. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to pass her on the inside. I get to her inside, and she just has no wherewithal of where she is or what's going on around her. She then turns back down the track to get the cart back to where it should have been, and I'm there. And she wipes us both out, and we both wreck. Hmm. And this is off a of turn two, and my dad is livid. He is screaming. I don't remember him screaming at me, but he's just ticked off at me. And he's like, dude, I warned you about her. Why did you not take her on the outside? I'm like, dude, she went up. There was a hole. I took it, and then she just crashed us. And he's like, you got to be better at managing your your space. And basically what he's saying is I should have just backed the corner up, slowed down a little bit, and then passed her on the outside down the straightaway, and I probably would have been safer. Um, so there again, there's another lesson to be learned. And look, here it is. I'm 30 years removed from that, and I can remember it very vividly of exactly how it turned out. Um, so, you know, going through the go-karting career, we bought several different chassis, a trick chassis, a phantom chassis. We're growing. We're going through the ranks. We're racing with people like Richard Boswell, um, Kyle Hendershot. These guys now are working for huge cup teams, NASCAR cup teams. I mean, Richard Boswell is a crew chief of a cup team. The, the only position higher that Richard could ever get to would be driver. Yeah. And he drove for years, right? Really good friend of mine, lives in Southern Maryland or used to live in Southern Maryland, has a beautiful family now. I believe he has like four kids. Just fantastic. His dad, Dickie Boswell, God rest his soul, he just passed away about a year ago. Um, old Dickie used to call me Nicky Poo. 
Because I told him, I, I told him, I was like, "Don't call me Nikki." He's like, "All right, Nikki Poo," and then that just stuck forever. That's awesome. So I was Nikki Poo forever. So if you guys want to call me uh, Nikki Poo, I'll know exactly that you do listen to this podcast, and I'm totally okay with it. You can call me, you can call me <laughs> Nikki Poo. It's just fine. I, I love it. And Dicky was an amazing human. His he built super fast race cars, huge in the NASCAR. Um, he owned a print shop actually, which I never knew until recently. Um, but that was really, really, really fun days for me, and I enjoyed it. So. <clears throat> that I think that career ended after about six or seven years. I got too big for the go-karts. I think, was I 13, 12 or 13 when I exited that? And I was, yeah, you're saying like my size by 12, 13. No, no, no. I was six foot. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, no, I was. So w- how old were you in seventh grade? I couldn't remember to, off the top of my I'd head. I'd have to Google this real quick to figure out what it is. Um, but in seventh grade, here, watch this. How it's 12, 12, 13. old are you? How old are you in seventh grade? This is sad. I don't know this. I should know this. Seventh grade. Yeah, 12 to 13 years old. Yeah. Right there. So in seventh grade, I know, because I remember this conversation I had with my teacher, I'm 6'1". 6'1 in seventh grade. So you're looking down at your teacher. This oh, morning. yeah. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, I dude, I was just I was just a big kid. Um, but I didn't fit in these go-karts anymore. So um, father said, you know, let's go look at something else. I remember I broke my arm. Did we have this conversation the other day? Remember we were little, you were talking about you broke your arm, you were using a skid steer in yeah. the side yard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were just shooting content at my property last week, and I was telling Kyle about how this yard at my property had this big hump, and I was grading it with the bobcat for the very first time at 12-ish years old, and uh, I had broke my arm that day, and I was pushing the lever with the cast. Um, but right around that same exact time, I, I went to a dirt track uh, called Potomac Speedway, and watched Legends Cars race there, um, and they had me climb into a car, and I could, couldn't get out of it because of my broken arm and all this. But that's when we were transitioning from carts to Legends, um, and I think around 13 years old, I, um, I jumped in my first Legend car. And So, okay, cra- another crazy story. So, Internet's starting to come around by now, right? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, i got to find a car. How am I going to find one? We still have very little money, and I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you how we pulled all this off. So... My father says, yeah, let's go find one. So I start cruising the internet. I find this car, and I call the guy, and he's like, uh, no, that car is already sold, but I'm selling this other car. This other car is extremely special. And everybody says this about their race cars. They're like, oh, it's so special. It's, it's got the best engine, it's best chassis, it's never been wrecked, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I just bought a race car a year and ago, and it was the guy's like, it's not wrecked, and the motor's fine. It was The frame was bent, and the motor was bad. Like, Ugh. God, you racers, you're just a bunch of dirty dogs. Either way, um... So this guy's name was um, the guy that drove it was Mendenhall. I can't remember the other guy that owned, the guy that owned it. He got, the guy was rich, like more money than I at the time I'd ever seen. Excuse me, and he um, he said, "Yeah, this car I own, and this guy Mendenhall drives it. He is the national champion, like not track champion, not state champion, national champion. Yeah, there is no higher you know thing." Um, position you can have the national champion racing is that for the, the legends the legends or? yeah i didn't think there was that much money in that that's crazy it, there, yeah i mean there's there's been million dollar races people can win and the legend cars that, that's the smaller one that's in your shop right? yeah yes okay. so it's like a 1930 style um fiberglass tube chassis car um it looks like a go-kart it looks like a toy but it's it's a full-blown race car yeah full-blown race car 
anybody tells you otherwise is just jealous. <laughs> they are serious, and they can, you can hurt. I've seen guys get killed in them. Yeah. So don't don't let it fool you. It is a it is a wild little car. Um, but anyway, got a hold of this guy, and um, my father's like, all right, let's let's go take a look at it. It's, I can't believe this story. This is so wild. So at the time, we are. Um, he had gotten a second mortgage on the house for some reason to to do some upgrades to the house. I can't remember what it was. But he took $17,000 of that money. This is 2000. No, this is 2000. What is this? Gosh, I can't remember. Anyway, it's it's before 2000, I think. I think it's like 1998, maybe. Something along those lines. And uh, eight, 98, 99, because we, we were in the house, the new house. And um, he had taken the second mortgage out. Took seventeen grand of it, which I think the second mortgage was only like twenty four grand. It yeah. wasn't a lot of money, but we didn't have any money back then. None. I mean, we were so the house at this point in time, we were sitting on the floor. There was no couch. There were some lights. We had um, blankets hanging on the walls because there was an echo because we couldn't afford to fill the house with anything because he was so broke. The old Kraft mac and cheese days. Kraft mac and cheese, ramen noodles, dude. If we got us potato chips and ketchup, oh my god. It, we did good that week. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's how this was. And so, um, we, we, <laughs> we had a 97 Ford Explorer red tan interior, tan interior, tan trim on the car. It was a, we called it red Eddie. <laughs> what we call it an Eddie Bauer edition and red Eddie had coughed up a rear end. And this was a Saturday morning. And he looked at me and he's like, we're going to replace this rear end and we're going to get this race car. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever you say. So we go to, you know, I think it was like trash auto at the time. I don't even know what it was actually called. We called it Trash Auto. And we got bearings and ring and pinion, uh, seals, everything. And we rebuilt this rear end in this Red Eddie, this, this, this Explorer. And I remember we got it done. It was like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, we did it all with, like, the tail of the truck in the garage, the nose sticking out. And we jumped in that truck. We hooked it to this little red uh, box trailer we had that didn't even ramp doors, like barn doors. Yeah. So, like, getting a race car in there was up wooden ramps. Oh, my gosh. Dude, like, it was so sketch. It was crazy. So, we then proceeded to hook this trailer up, never tested the Red Eddie, never tested that rear end. We just hooked it up and took off, and we went to um, Raleigh, North Carolina. So, we're talking like a seven-hour trip. At least. Here. Yeah. And it, truck made it. And the truck, we never, ever repaired that truck after that. That rear end lasted till the truck got sold. That's crazy. Crazy. So it's just this, the, the things that we went through to, to get all this done. So we show up in Raleigh at like, I think it was 11, 12 o'clock at night. On the way down, there was this road right before we got to the to the end, you know, goal where we were trying to get to this guy's house. Um, we hit an albino owl that was so big, it hit the windshield and wrapped halfway around the windshield and halfway around the truck. Crazy. It scared us. We were so tired. It was like, I mean, just whack, and it's just big white owl We're like oh my god it's a ghost that's crazy and and we i mean it shook us up pretty good and we got to uh we got to this um facility and this dude's house beautiful home and you drive behind it and i swear to god this this shop was 200 foot wide and 400 foot deep wow so you know like a prevost rv is it's like the most luxurious yeah rv you can buy he has one of those sitting in the building and it looks like a tonka toy <laughs> that's how big this place is and it's so bright inside that it, it, it looks like it looks like heaven there's so much lighting in there yeah this is before leds and all that it's crazy so we walk Probably over the halogens like eh, yeah that's for real yeah yeah it was huge white floor white walls clean as could be wow and in this corner 
there's two Legends cars sitting there. They're both – one's a Ford 34 Ford sedan. One's like a 37 Chevy sedan. The 37 sedan, Chevy sedan, was like their test car. It had been wrecked a bunch of times, kind of a backup car. And then they only wanted like, I think, 10 grand for that car. And then there was the 34 Ford sedan. Um, and if you look back on any of my Instagram posts, you'll see this gold car. Um, it was number 18. And they're like, this is the car that just won the national championship. And it comes with like fuel cans and some extra gears and all this other stuff. And they wanted like 17.5 for this car. And then my dad's like, we're not going to buy that car. You're just going to wreck it first time out. Um, turns out he was right. <laughs> um, but um, they're, you know, he, my dad's like, look, I'm not going to have any excuses here. We're going to get the better car. And we're just going to figure this out. And so we bought the car. We loaded it up that night. We found a hotel and we went to sleep. Got up the next day. And funny story. So you've been in my house. You know the um, when you go in the front door to the right, there we call it the pool room. There's a pool table, and there's like all those old antique signs. Yeah. So we left buying this car. Woke up the next morning, and at the intersection, there's like a barn across the street. It has all these antique signs all over this barn. And him and I love antique signs and slot machines and and all that kind of stuff. So any of y'all have any slot old 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 antique slot machines? Let me know. Um, he loves them. I love. Yeah, there's them. how many in your dad's office right now? Six, at least. At least, and our there's basements. a couple at the house too. Yeah, yeah, at the house. There's way more at the house. Way, way more. He's just a big antique slot machine guy. Um, but uh, the signs that you see in my pool room, that Esso sign, the Pepsi sign, all those signs were on that barn. Really, and. We went up to the guy, he's an old country boy, half toothless, barely can understand the boy because he's just so southern. And um, we're like, hey, man, you want to sell those signs? And he's like, well, they're covering up the holes in the barn. And I'm like, what do you mean they're covering up the holes in the barn? He's like, there's holes in the, in the barn. They're, they're covering them up. I'm like, what do you want for them? He's like, 80 bucks for the SO sign, which is the biggest one, 60 bucks for the Pepsi sign. And the, there was another sign that was like 40 bucks. There was like three signs we bought from that guy. And I looked at my dad, the SO sign, you know what that thing's worth? That thing's worth thousands. Really? And we bought it for 80 bucks. And if you look at it, it's kind of bent a little. And it's, the reason it's bent is that it wouldn't fit into the Red Eddy, the, the Explorer. So we had to, like, bend it and shove it in there. And then, like, if you look at that truck, if, you, if we could ever find that truck again, you'd see, like, gouges in the plastic. And that was from that sign. That's crazy. So that's the, that's the story behind the signs and all that. But we got the car home. We finally put it together. We take it to Southside Speedway, which just closed a few years, and that really ticks me off. That's in uh, really close to Richmond Speedway. That's where, like, Denny Hamlin grew up racing, and, and I've raced against him there years ago. And um, and uh, we, we went out for practice, and I think I'm 13 years old, and I'm doing terrible. I'm just horrible. And what I didn't realize was, you, in order for a race car to properly operate, you've got to drive it to the absolute limits of the car. I mean, like, the harder you drive it, the better it operates. Well, it's like the old um, Ferrari versus Ford movie. If, mm-hmm. you, if anybody's watched that, that's exactly what they're doing, is they're taking it to the absolute limits to see what they can change to make it better. Yeah, yeah, and it likes it up there better. Like, if you if you ever listen to a car, like, idle or come off pit road or just get driven around, it is grumpy. Yeah. It, it's... And then once you hit full throttle... It, it sings and it's perfect and that's what it's meant to be so you're correct on, on the Ford I love that movie I gotta watch that movie again um, but uh, so <laughs> I go out and I'm, I'm the car's not handling right because I'm not driving it right and I end up holding the brake too hard I lock it up and I knock down the turn three wall mm. and it hits so hard that it destroys the firewall and, and if you if you wreck a car so hard that it, it destroys the firewall, it's messed up bad. Like, it's 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 damaged bad. Um, 
and the the entire right front suspension gets ripped off and it bounces all the way down and rolls all the way down the front straight away. <laughs> so it's not a little hit. It's a big hit. Kind of like the Audi. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's another story for you. I, I must like loved getting beat on for some reason. You must. Anyway, we um, I remember my father goes down to go pick up that right front suspension, and it's got the wheel, the tire, the entire front brake assembly, and the spindle, and all the suspensions connected to it. Yeah. So he was going to pick it up. He's like, Jesus, that's too heavy. And the, the tow truck had to drive down there and pick it up, and it took like two guys to load it up. I mean, it literally ripped the entire right front suspension off the car. So we don't know how to rebuild this thing. We don't know what we're doing. We don't even know what we're looking at. We have no clue. So we end up finding somebody, uh, a place called Little Race Cars, and they rebuilt it for us, and it was a mess, and it cost a lot of money. And I don't even know where that money came from. But going back to, like I said, that so many things has happened in my life that were incredible. Every time I needed a new engine for the go-kart, my dad would get like some kind of side job that would pay for it. Or that right front suspension get rough, like, ripped off that car. He'd get like some some weird sale that he wasn't expecting would just like pop up out of nowhere. And this has continually happened throughout my life. Um, so when it came to racing, you know, I raced for years in the Legends car. I run, I, I, uh, I won, uh, I was five-time Maryland State champion. I, um, I had won countless, countless of races. We were, you know, after year one, um, literally, if we didn't run top three, something was wrong. We were we were always a, a force to be reckoned with, um, and I was very very proud of that. Um, matter of fact, it was cool. The last one of my favorite stories. There was a guy named Kevin Yates, and um, he had needed to borrow one of my my race car year one, and he was going for a championship. And we lent him. I stayed out of the race and lent him my race car so he could win this championship. I, don't, I can't remember if he actually won it or not. I think he did. Um, r- really highly experienced race car driver, and and he built really fast cars um but the last race of the year i was testing on a friday and blew the motor up and when when i mean blow it up i mean blowed up my it was funny the the, the in practice my father came over the radio he's like dude you need to slow down and i'm like dude it's just running really really well well what a lot of people don't understand is when an engine's getting ready to blow up she'll sing she will sing faster than she's ever sung um until until she lets go and she let go on the back straight away and completely came unwound and blown up and uh and kevin was there and he's like hey i have a backup car if you want to run that tomorrow and we we're like you serious he goes look you wreck it you gotta fix it and i was like well duh i got that kevin thanks and so we went ahead and, and switched my seat over to the car and um over over the night and uh we came out the next day and we qualified fourth which was the best qualifying effort i had had to date my very first race out we we qualified 25th out of 36 cars they dropped the green flag i had no idea how to shift a car at all hmm. i mean i started off in fifth gear and put the foot to the floor and it went nowhere so we fell back to like 20 no we fell back to like 30 something and i ended up finishing 20th in that race very first race out crazy um scared to death but fast forward through the year every single race we finished better and better and better and better and that goes back to like what i tell everybody just some you know jump into it you know jump into it you'll figure it out i promise you you'll you'll find a way if you want it bad enough so go go to this last race qualified fourth drop the green flag and kevin is on the pole which means he starts first so in racing the pole is number one he's on the inside number two is on the outside and then third is on the inside second row and fourth is outside second row i'm outside second row they drop the green flag i push second place past kevin i drive past kevin and i go into turn one and i'm second 
I know Kevin's got to be going, what in the heck is wrong with you? You're passing me in my own car? Mm-mm, that ain't going to fly. And um, so, we, you know, fast forward a few laps, and he ends up getting back by me. I'm running third. We go down turn one, and his motor grenades in front of me. And I'm talking, I'm watching cylinders, pistons, valves, bouncing off the front of my my car, his car. He has a windshield in his car. My car is ran mesh. And I drive into his oil. He wrecks, and I slide by him. I catch some grip, and I drive through it. Unbelievable. I'm talking fire, smoke. I can't see anything. It is the craziest. You know, I've never in my life ever had an engine to this date blow up in front of me that bad. It was bad. Done blowed up is what I call it. So he gets, he comes in the pits, and my father comes over the radio, and he goes, hey, you want you want to, you know, give Kevin his car back so he can finish this race and win the championship. Maybe he didn't win the championship because of that, actually, now I think about it. Maybe he didn't. Um, and Kevin jumps up on the trailer that my father's on. He's like, nope, leave Nick in the car. So at this point, I'm running second. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you're talking about a 13-year-old kid with no experience, and I'm wheeling the ever-living piss out of this car. So we end up finishing second that race, and we drive into the pits. We go through tech. We pass tech. I mean, when I say tech, I mean they weigh the car. They roll it through like a width gauge. They roll it through a height gauge. They check ride heights. They check um, fuel. Make sure you're not che- running cheater fuel. Like all this stuff. And we pass, right? Cause we, is we're this not- NHRA or whatever the this name is? is this or? is uh, the Legend Series. Okay, so, so they're different. Yeah, it's like NHRA's drag racing. Um, IHRA's drag racing. There's, there's Cup. There's Xfinity. There's Truck. There's Arca. There's... I didn't know there were that many, so that's why oh, I was asking. There's so many levels of it. So just this this is a local track, local race. Uh, it is a national event, so you win this, you automatically get a spot in the nationals. I finished second. Yeah. Right? And um, I remember I, I get through tech. Uh, we pass the weight, all that. And I pull back into Kevin's uh, hauler, which is right next to our hauler. His hauler was a lot bigger than ours. Ours <laughs> was like this little bitty red trailer. It was nothing. And um, I pull my helmet off, and I am steaming. I mean, I have steam pouring off my head, and there's a picture of this. I'd have to dig it up somewhere. And um, back then, there was – I actually know there should be a video of it too. And the crew and the entire series is so happy for me. They're backslapping me. I ended up winning most improved and rookie of the year that year. Incredible. Like, that's a big feat to, yeah. to win those things. And um, we, we had just done a phenomenal job, and I had grown so much because I had just – I dedicated myself to it. So that was year one, you know, that went on for the legend stuff went on for, gosh, I don't know, what was it? Over a decade. It had to go on for a decade. I won five championships in it. I have a room full of trophies, um, made a lot of great friends, and I just, I'm so thankful to have that experience because, okay, you ever have, do you remember like a pivotal moment in your life where something changed you forever? Like one standout thing weirdly probably the recession really yeah How so? so um so the, right around then it was just more or less like family was going through some stuff and it was kind of the point of life where i was starting to learn the value of money but that was also right around when my memory was starting to kick in so it was that my <laughs> damn you honda beep <laughs> beep so it was it kind of all happened at the same time so my mother was pregnant with my sister. She was about to be born. My grandfather was just diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. My dad was in the hospital because he had had some sort of like colitis issue. It wasn't diverticulitis, but it, it was very similar to it where he, he just kind of had polyps in his 
colon, and he was having issues with all that. Um, but that was going on, and then right around them was the recession. So I, I remember most of that very vividly of just, you know, work hard mindset and honoring the value of the, you know, the dollar. Okay. So, How old were you back? That's that's roughly what, 08? It was like 06 to 08, so I was 8 to 10. So it was like right around when your memory really starts to for sure become what it is. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I remember, so mine was 1995-ish. Yeah. So I was like nine. So yeah, that's about the right time. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so that that changed you how? I don't know if it changed me, but it more or less was that it was that point in time of life where it was like, okay, this is this is something these this is a notable moment in life to remember that, you know, you you can't life just pass by. You have to value every moment. I think that kind of digs into where I am today is, is like I'm very appreciative and like I tell you all the time, thank you so much for the position here. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. It's like what I always say is it's an opportunity mm-hmm. for me to become a better me, mm-hmm. you know, so that's why I wake up every day happy because it's, you can't let life pass you. Mm-mm. And when you do, it's, that's when things get tough. That's when things get hard. Mm-hmm. You know, when you just fly by the seat of your own pants, it's hard to be able to be grateful. Yeah, life kind of happens to you instead of you kind of taking the bull by the horns. Exactly, and that was kind of part of that whole recognition of me trying to find who I was because I was letting life pass me versus actually enjoying it. I mean, I enjoyed every part of when Malin was born until now, but it was just there were other parts of me that I wasn't certain about of who I wanted to be being the best Kyle that I can be, the best dad that I can be, the best husband that I can be, the best person I could be here at Dawson. Sure. So it was just a matter of forming all those things together, but also digging back to that, you know, that 2008 or 2006, 2008 era of just like, okay, who am I really? I'm, I am a grateful person at heart. You know, I appreciate my parents. I love my parents to death, Yeah. you know, but that also goes to the people around me is like, if you're a part of my inner circle and you've kind of probably noticed this is like, it's not that you're a friend, you're, you're a part of what I call a family. It, oh yeah. Dominic Toretto, the whole fast and furious thing, sure. but it's just, it, that's how I relate to people. I love my inner circle. Like mm-hmm. my buddy, Matt, every time we get off the phone, I say, I love him because mm-hmm. I, I genuinely do. And that's the way that we show our gratitude to each other is like, we love each other. We will say it every time I hang up the phone and we go on to our next thing. That's great, dude. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, that's such a good mindset. I don't see a single thing, anything that could ever go wrong in that scenario ever. That's great. So <clears throat> the reason I asked that is, you know, I have very similar, um, s- s- where I was going was, that's a great mindset. Where I was kind of going with it was, my father had told me a story where when he was younger, he could shift the heck out of, out of a drag car. And when yeah. I say drag car, they're really just street cars that they're four speeds. Yeah. They were nothing special. Um, it's basically a stock Mustang or whatever. But it's knowing when to go from fourth to third, back to fourth, or to second, yeah. to... Yeah, in, I get what you mean. In, in drag racing, you know, it's always it's the timing. It's 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 you know, don't push the clutch in too soon. Don't let it out. It, it, there's a there's a there's a, an equation to it. And and a, allegedly, the stories I was told, um, because this was before my time, was he was one of the best at Capital Raceway uh, in Crofton. And um, when you know, he had the opportunity to drive his brother's car, and and him and his brother had um, 
not necessarily a rivalry, but they're brothers, right? Yeah. Brothers sometimes give each other a hard time. And so finally, uh, t- my Uncle Tony, his brother, uh, he bought a car from a guy named Farmer. And Tony just could not get the best time that Farmer ever had out of the car. So the best time in the car was like a, an 11.99. 11 seconds, 11.99 seconds. And Tony was always like 12.2, 12, 12.3. 12, yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know why that was. It was a, it was a four-speed car. I, I don't know if he didn't understand tire pressures or whatever, but he just couldn't get the car to go. So finally one day he throws in the towel and he's like, Craig, you know, my father, he's like, Craig, get in the car and, and run this car. And uh, they, he pulls up the line. He doesn't change anything. He doesn't do anything to the car other than get into it, put a seatbelt on, and his helmet, and run it down the track. And this, these guys are idiots. They're running these cars in T-shirts and shorts and no blow shields on the, on the clutches, and they're just putting a helmet on with a lap belt, literally a lap belt. Like, I can't believe more people didn't die doing this. Anyway, um, my old man, he launches a car, and, and it's this old Chevy Nova, and Nova's had this tendency of not having a square rear end. So the thing would pull to the right. Right, and he's he's banging gears, and the car's drifting. He's he's yanking on the wheel, and he's trying to hold on to it, not lift, because he doesn't want to, you know, look like an idiot and get beat by his brother. And yeah, you know, he's fighting this thing for all it had. And he's, his right rear's right on the grass, and he's just he's wheeling the crap out of this car, and he gets it across the line. He's like, "Holy crap, this thing's a piece of junk! Like <laughs> I cannot keep it on the track. It needs some love." So he comes pulling back down down the track, and there's like this this like little shed where you get the slip. And he sees everybody there at the shed um, howling, holding their bellies, bent over, laughing their tails off. And he's going, what in the world? Did, how bad did I do? And he gets down there and he grabs a slip and there, and from one of the guys that already grabbed it and was holding the slip. And Farmer's best time was 11.99. My old man had run 11.6. And he's like, they're laughing because they're like, I can't believe you just ran the car as hard as you did. And my old man's like, dude, I left some out there. And um, that was one of the moments that my old man said that it changed his life forever. Because he, it gave him the sense of, like, he, he can do it, right? And we all have this in us. We just have to put ourselves in circumstances where we do it. And we have this huge epiphany uh, of, of, you know, I can overcome and do anything. Because there's, there's nothing different with Jeff Bezos than you and I. Literally, the dude takes a dump like we do, drinks coffee more likely like we do, drinks, eats, sleeps, same dude, just just his mental abilities are stronger or something. He's d- done more mental training. Anyway, more discipline. That's another story for another day. Anyway, so that's one of my father's, like, biggest stories that I heard growing up. Mine is kind of similar, um, but growing up, I thought, because of my learning disabilities, I ended up in the same classroom as all the people that have actual mental issues, and God bless their souls. I wish that on nobody. It is a shame, and and children should never have to go through that. I have this huge soft spot in my heart for them because, you know, they didn't choose to have these mental issues, and and I, my gosh, between them and their parents that take care of them or their caretakers, God bless all y'all, for real. Like you, you are a special breed, and, and and you have a very special place in heaven. I hope one day, but um. I grew up with all those kids in those special seats. They would wave coat hangers around and they would do all this crazy stuff because I just had this mental disability where I, I couldn't learn fast enough. And it made me question, am I one of them? Right? Because I was sur- you are who you surround yourself with and that's who I got put in the same room with because growing up, I was always like a year behind. Yeah. And my size made everyone think 
I was four or five years older than I really was. Exactly. So, so it really screwed up this my own persona, which then made me feel like, oh crap, is there something wrong with me? And um, so with racing, I'm a, this is this I'm getting very vulnerable here now, guys. So bear with me here, and I'm not going to get emotional about it because I I just know it, understand it, have accepted it. But I thought I had an issue mentally, and so when I got into a race car. And I drop that visor on my helmet. If you ever notice when I walk around, I always have tinted lenses on my glasses. That comes from my racing days. I always wore a tinted shield on my helmet. And the reason I did that was when I put a fire suit on and I put a helmet on with that tinted shield, you couldn't see me. When I climbed in that race car, it didn't matter. No one could ever know if I actually had an issue or not. It was you and your name. It was my name, and it was my performance, right? And, and when, when I'd go out there and win, it didn't matter. I won. I beat you. Yeah. I didn't care if I had if I had some kind of mental issue or not. I was performing. Again, goes back to her credentials, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> that's why I, I ended up falling in love with racing is because no one could see me and I could perform. And my life changing moment came. I was 18 years old, and uh, we went to run a dirt track. And I had about two two races under my belt at this point of dirt track racing, and I sucked. I was terrible. I hated it. It was funny. One of my really good friends, Mike Bryant, walked by me one day, and he was feeding his child. His child was like a year old. He had a bottle in his child's mouth, and he reached out and handed me the bottle of milk. He's like, you want some milk, little baby? And I was like, screw you, Mike. <laughs> it really ticked me off because I was just I was crying like a little baby because I couldn't figure it out. So that was at Potomac Speedway. Fast forward a couple weeks. My father's out of town. My Uncle Tony's helped me set up the race car. And we were trying to do what my father had told us to do, setting this car up, getting it ready for this dirt track that we had never been to. It was called Eastside Speedway. It was down in Virginia somewhere. It was a good hike. It was a three, four-hour drive to get to it from where I live. And we show up, and they're like, well, there's, there's going to be no practice today. You guys are going gonna to get five minutes. Normally, there's like two full sessions of practice. You get like 20 laps each for practice. Yeah, you and get to learn the track. You get to learn the track, right? And I had never seen this racetrack. Literally never laid eyes on it. I don't know how to get onto it. I don't know where pit road is. I don't know where to park my trailer. I don't know anything, nothing. And, and it's a dirt track on top of it. So I had um, jumped in the car, and they had said, uh, I'll get this, I forgot my tinted shield. I was mm. so ticked off. And I was like, I want to put on my Oakley sunglasses I had. And my father's like, no. And I have no idea to this day why he told me no. I was very frustrated. With that. So I hit the track. I'm irritated because I can't wear my glasses and I'm squinting. I, I don't know dirt tracks. I've never seen this track. And I'm only going to get five minutes of practice on it. I, Dude, I am out in left field at this point. So I get out there and here's what I get. It's dirt. It's shiny, and in turn one and two, there are like literally potholes, big. Like, take a take a basketball, cut it in half, and flip it over in that kind of crater. Yeah. That's how big these holes are, and there's a 1,000 of them down on the bottom-hand lane of this racetrack. Yeah. So I'm like, this is the roughest thing I've ever driven on. It's dirt. It's shiny, so it looks like glass. There's no way this race car is going to stick on it. And then, okay, to top it all off, I go back, I pull back in, and we pull pills. So basically, they literally take a, a bag – and they put, like, poker chips in it with numbers on them. And whatever – if there's 20 drivers, right, that are going to be in this race, they put 20 pills in there, 1 through 20, and you pull a pill out, and that's where you're going to start. So yeah. I don't get to qualify. I don't have any practice. I get five minutes of practice. Guess what pill I pick? The last. No. Oh, crap. Number one. I'm like, oh, my God. This is – this is I am going to crash. I am going to die. They're going to eat me alive, and we're going to wreck our car for nothing, right? So I'm, I'm sitting there talking to – there's a guy named Barney. There's a guy named Mike, Sean Dawson, Roger Austin, all these guys. These are big-name racers, dude. Like, if you go back in the heyday, these are the cream of the crop. These guys go to this track because it was fast and fun. 
So I pull number one, and they're like, you can just go to the back. I'm like, I'm not going to the back. Like, I've got, at this point, I've got four or five years on my belt. I am not slow. At dirt, I'm slow. But when it comes to racing a car, I know what I'm doing at this point. And uh, I remember Barney came over to me, and he's like, look, we're going to pass you going into one. You just duck in behind me and Sean and Roger Austin, and we'll um, we'll show you the line. And I'm like, and thinking to myself, yeah, okay, that ain't happening. I'm, I'm going to beat you. Like, that's just how I'm geared. And um, so the race starts. I start on the pole, and there's, of course, there's a car on my outside, and there's like 20 guys behind me. And I'm like, okay. Remember, dirt, It's you spin. You send rooster tails of dirt all yeah. over the cars behind you. There is no grip. And so I remember starting off, and I'm like, I'm going to start in third so I don't spin the tires. And it gripped, and it did exactly what I wanted, and no one passed me. Okay, we're winning. I go down to turn one, and I decide I'm going to take a line where my left side tires are hanging over those potholes, and my rights won't. So I'm like up a lane and a half. I'm not in the second groove, but I'm like halfway up. Yeah. Which pushes Barney out, which everybody kind of follows, and the guys that go below me into those bumps, they can't get any traction, so I pull away from them. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a guy named Rick Bowman that's it's right there with me. He's like third or somewhere in there. Long story short, a few laps go by, no one passes me. And I'm like, I go off into turn three the first lap, and my dad and my friend Dan uh, are standing in the stands there, and I send it off into turn three on the rev limiter. It, for anybody that doesn't know what that means, when the RPMs get really, really high in an engine, there's a rev limiter that will limit it from blowing up. And so whenever a racer hits the rev limiter, that means he is pushing that car to its absolute limit. You're of, singing and some. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's everything it has. And I go off into turn three, and the car's like, what? Da, 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 da. <laughs> and I get down into the corner, and I hit it, and I make the car get through the corner. And my father's got his hand over his eyes, and he's like, yeah. this car's going to come back in a box. So we get, you know, fast forward a few laps, I pull away. Next thing you know, we're like, these races are like, I think, 30 or 40 laps in total. We're like 12, 15 laps into this thing, and I'm like a straightaway ahead of everybody. Yeah. Crazy. So the only person that picked up on the line I was running, and keep in mind, the reason I was running this line is I didn't know what the right line was. So everybody else is running the line they know, and I'm just making it up. And the one I made up was apparently fast. Well, Rick Bowman had figured it out, and he goes into turn one. He's starting to catch me. He's running me down. Where You could tell because everyone else would come off the corner like super sideways. I'd come off straight and, like, a lot lower. So I'm getting, like, all the traction in the world come off these corners. Yeah, you're digging harder than they are. I am digging, baby. And this car is hooking, and we are going. And you know what we did? I had never told a soul this, and here I am going to tell maybe a 1,000 people that listen to this or whatever. I had run the left rear tire on the right rear. I switched the rear tires. Oh, I remember this, yeah. Because the way we cut camber into them, so when you cut camber to a tire, basically take the tread. Imagine the tread on your on your truck, guys. And imagine taking a grinder and making it cockeyed, like on an angle. Yeah. Right. Again, let's go back to the solo cup thing where they're staggering it. So on the left rear, the outside edge is bigger. So there's more tread out there. And I thought, well, if I put that on the right rear, it'll dig better. And it did. It yeah, actually it, worked. It's like having a um, – I can't think of the name of it now. But you're, you're putting pressure into it where you need to versus having it only on the outsides. You're right. having it even across the whole plane. Right. So I'm getting, I'm getting full traction. It. Yeah, there's wedge. Right? Yeah. It is. It's, in racing, it's called wedge. So I'm actually getting full traction out of this tire. It's hooking really well. And the line, this car is on rails. She is flying. And so – we, we had a – somebody wrecked so, – so Sean Dawson and Roger Austin, these two are like 
dirt track gods. Even to this day, they are phenomenal racers, and I am so proud that I actually had a chance to race against these guys. But they wrecked trying to chase me down. This is a true story. I don't care if they hear this and they disagree with me. That's what happened. <laughs> Y'all wrecked trying to run me down on this one particular Oh, race. it was a pothole or something. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> they crashed, and, and uh, we had a restart, and I took off again. But now Rick is on me, right? Rick is a car, car or two behind me. And I'm thinking to myself, we're going to get to the last lap. He's going to dive bomb me, wreck me, and take this win away from me. So we fast forward. We get away from the whole pack. Last lap, last turn, turn three, we go in the corner, and he is on my inside. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give him the inside, but I think what's going to happen here is he's going to spin while trying to pinch the car off because now I'm above him, and he's going to spin and take me out with him. So I'm like, I go down into three, and I see him on my inside. And I'm like, okay, Rick, don't wreck me, don't wreck me. And I see him start to spin out of the corner of my eye, and I move up just enough, and he spins around me, doesn't take me out, and I go on to win the race. So this race, I, okay, I win the race. I have no idea where victory lane is. Yeah. No clue. It took me 15, 20 minutes in someone in a four-wheeler to take me around to find victory lane. <laughs> so it's crazy. So this, this is that, that turning point in my life where I'm like, I can do anything. I, I literally, if I try, I could probably pull off anything. So this was that life-changing moment for me in a race car that said, dude, if you put your mind to something, you can do it. And, and so I, sh I share this long, drawn-out story for you guys, and I hope you enjoyed that because it, it for me, was an absolute game-changing moment where I, it, just, it just changed my life for, forever. And, and I have a lot of those moments where I guess it's because I tried so much stuff um, you know, and I gave it my all, you know, the whole way through and you guys can too, you know, there's going to be moments in your life where things are going to suck, but that that's only there to teach you. You typically only learn in those really hard moments, right? Well, I mean, that kind of goes back to like when we met is was like, I started off with my company. I was only doing maybe 60, 80 a year thousand. And then when I met you that next year I did 140, and that was by myself. And yeah, I hit shiny syndrome and I kind of set myself back a ways. But there is something to be said is having somebody that's at that next level, like having you as a part of my circle, it's okay. You're going to get yourself into a situation where it's uncomfortable, but I know I could do it because there's somebody else that can say, Hey, look, like this is where you, this is where you need to make your course correction. And it helps. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a roadmap, right? Exactly. And a lot of people, they're really wanting roadmaps. Like, I've noticed a lot of people, like this podcast, this is a roadmap for people. Um, I hope that there's a lot of great nuggets you can find in this. And again, please share your comments with us. Please um, comment what you liked, what you didn't like, and then kind of your wish list, right? Throw your wish list at us, and I will try to hit as best as you can. Kyle will hit as best as he can. And um, we're, we're here to help you the, all the way along, you know, the way. And we're not going to ask for – here's a big thing. If we end up getting sponsors on this deal, that's great, and we'll take them, and we'll invest all that money back into this and not – we're not going to blow it on Lamborghinis and all this yeah. kind of crazy stuff. We're going to give it back to you guys. Um, but really, what we're asking for is share the show, right? Share, share yeah, this with all your Just be a part of the community. Just Yeah, you're going to find some value. I know – I think my aunt the other day was saying something along the lines. I think she said it. She's like, I can't wait to listen to it. And I'm thinking, why the heck would you listen <laughs> to it? And, I, and it's – there's got to be something in this for everybody you know, uh, some kind of lesson, but, um, you know, going back to having, you know, shiny syndrome and having somebody in your life that'll help you. There's, you know, apparently Kyle, I guess I helped you in some sort of way. I've always said that all I ever want to do is help. And I didn't ask for anything back. Did I, 
And my big thing it's was help the next person. Yeah, help the next person. I've always said go take what I've what I've taught you and and go help the next person. And I think with enough of that, it will come back to you somehow. And I, I'm blessed. I've had a rising tide raises all ships. Yeah, I said that to a guy yesterday at the car show and he was like, What'd you say? And I'm like, dude, it's it's about helping people. And I think that's um that's what this podcast is about for me. I mean, how about you? Is that what you feel? I mean, that's what I've experienced after being around. I mean, so I don't have quite the story that you do when it comes to like trying to get through all these hardships. I, I was, I will say with my family, I was blessed to have a very good upbringing. Um, I wouldn't say we've gone out of our way to have like the racing career like you've had where you're, you're putting your mind to different things. You know, I was, I've had the very easy things, but it's also, now that I've made the step into working with you guys, I've gotten into some pretty hairy situations like last year when we've had all the blowouts on the trailer. <laughs> you know, we weren't expecting that, but each and every single one that we had, okay, well, first one, well, we have a spare tire that's thrown on. Tell okay. the story first. Give, so, you know, tell them what actually was going on. So this actually, okay, this may be the, I guess you could say that turning point of I can do anything was. So last year when we were going out to equip, um, every year, I think since 20, what, 21, we were helping? Yeah, something like that. Um, so first year, 21, or sorry, first year we head out, we have four trucks. Um, it was you, Alex Huber, he took out his DMT, and that was what, one of the first DMTs maybe out there? Mm, yeah, that might have been. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was because so, yes. so 2020, we didn't have a GIE. Yeah. Or now equipped. Um, and then we had a little show here. That's where we unveiled the, the DMT. Exactly. And then the next year, that was the first time the world had actually seen it, like, in person at Equip. Yeah, so we went out with them, and, you know, the show went fantastic. And then the next year, um, we went out, and I think it was, what, three? It was just three of us because we had the regular DMT. We had the – we had your 350 – and then we had the demo truck. Yes. And then I had to bring a truck or a trailer back. Yes. So we're heading out and we're, I want to say, 68 going into Ohio. And I call you because I noticed that your rear tire was starting to get low. <laughs> and I was like, hey, dude, your rear tires, never mind, it's gone, it's flat. <laughs> so he's like, okay, well, we have a spare, we'll pull over, we all put our hazards on. And, and when we're in a convoy, I mean, Sam is right up my butt, and I am right up your butt. So there is nobody getting in between us. So we all kind of pull over, get to the side of the um, shoulder. We replace the first tire. Cool. Get back on the road, and you go, you didn't tell us this, but you're like, I know the next tire is going to go. Because it's all it goes in a pair. There's the It was the rear driver, and then it was the front passenger that went. So we pull off again. We get that one taken care of. He's like, all right, we don't have any other spares because we had just robbed the spare off of my trailer that had a spare tire on it. Mm -hmm. And we had gotten through majority of Ohio because your dad, for some reason, took us up in through Ohio. <laughs> Sam and I are cussing him out the whole entire ride mm -hmm. there. Um, and we just make it through Cincinnati, and the tire blows. I believe this was the rear passenger because we had pulled off the side. Of, yeah, it was the rear passenger because yeah. we had pulled off the side of the road. This was the set last one. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, the last option we have is to salvage the tire off of my trailer. Yeah, the DMT. The DMT, which I think that one had the 10,000-pound axles on it, if I remember correctly. No, no, th those are – so on the so on the standard DMT, they're two 7,000-pound axles, so 14K total, and they're 8-lug. 
Okay. And that fits my race car trailer. Okay, so that's what we had had. So we rob a tire off of that. I'm driving with three tires for the last, I want to say three hours, because we took a a much slower approach at it versus driving 95 miles an hour. We ratchet strapped the axle up. Yes. And then your old lady was like, uh, Nick, are you sure? And I'm like, I promise I've done this a hundred times racing. It's okay. Yeah. So at that point, I have never driven this long of a trailer. Number one, number two, a trailer missing a tire with the ratchet <laughs> up. So we finished the ride there. We had kind of taken a couple of back roads here and there that were slower speed limits, but we get to the Airbnb. Mm-hmm. You back in the trailer just barely. Cause you're how long is your trailer? 30. 30. I'm touching it. I think I'm about 28 with the DMT plus the nose on mine. I think it's 26 on the DMT. Is it? On the, long, on the longest DMT, nose to tail is 26. Plus the mulch meat. No. That's total. So that's total. So I am 20. I'm touching you. You're, tw- you're No, you're 26 from the pintle or the the hitch or whatever to the tail of the mulch meat is 26 foot. My trailer is 30 of the box plus the four-ish foot for the nose. That's like 30, 34. Okay. So we're we're comparable on size. Close. You're just a big. smidge longer. Yeah. So I had my 3,500 dump truck, mm-hmm. and we get there. You back in. In the dark. In the dark. In the dark. Pitch black. Yes. And you're like, do you got this? And I just popped that thing right in. Mm-hmm. and On three ev- tires. On three tires <laughs> without even having to. I mean, I think I readjusted once, but that was just to yeah. recorrect, get it further over in the driveway. But even then, you were like, okay, you have my respect when yeah. it comes to driving trails. 100%. You nailed it. And we had that crazy woman next door that was like, don't touch my property. Oh, she was on us. She was awful, dude. Oh, my God. I couldn't stand her. It was awful. But, yeah, no, no, you wheeled, you wheeled that thing right on in there. And I think we all had, like, our cell phone lights out, and we were walking you through it. And mm-hmm. Dude, there was not but four total inches to spare. If that. If that. And, and we're exhausted. It had been a long day. Oh, so the whole reason we're telling you the, the story, guys, is that, you know, Kyle learning to overcome. You know, when, when we were doing that, I never was frazzled, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I found – I think Gavin was there, right? Yes, this was Gavin's first year, yes. It was Gavin's first year. So Gavin is one of our fab guys that we brought with us because he helps. He's young. He's strong. He helps us lift things. And uh, I remember Gavin being, like, frazzled about all this. And I'm like, dude, just calm down, man. Yeah. We're going to get through all this. It's just a matter of figuring it out. And he actually had a great idea. I think he was one of the first ones to say steal one of the spare tires off of the DMT to put it on the trailer. Yeah. Which I think we ended that was up, on the second one. I think we blew that tire because one of the old tires wiped out one of the new tires. Yeah, it was ridiculous. What a trip that was! And that was like the we 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 documented the whole thing, mm-hmm. and everybody at at the point. No, was that equipped at that point? Yeah, no, it was still a GIE back then. It um, they were all just enamored by our whole trip and what had happened and and all that kind of jazz. And they're like, you know, what's going to happen the next year? <laughs> Wait till y'all hear that story on the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's all I heard, and it was kaboom. She done blowed up, boys. We'll get to that in the next podcast. That's but, a Ford. Eh, <laughs> that thing had that thing had been rode hard, dude. I had put that truck through through you know what. So, but um, yeah, guys, look for that moment when you know. Here, I always say heroes are born in bad times, right? So you might feel like you're going through bad times. All it's doing is it's teaching you how to be the hero in that next moment. And it, it could be coming today. You never know. Yeah, and there's chapters of you. You don't have to be who you were a year ago if you liked who you were a year ago. 
there's always yeah. room to evolve. There's there's points in life where you need to evolve. Yeah. Don't get stuck in that rat hole. Like you're you, gonna learn yeah. and morph and become a new person every year. And fun fact: every seven years, your body completely replaces its cells from hundred percent the seven years prior. So you're actually literally a totally new person. On top of that, that and right. If you young guys, if you're under 25 years old, scientifically proven, your frontal lobe of your brain isn't matured yet. Yeah. That typically finalizes itself right around the 25-year mark. I'm still 13 at heart. Yeah, uh, you and me both. I, <laughs> I swear, I look back, I still feel like I'm a landscaper than, you know, from when I was a teenager. Except it's you don't like pitchforking everything. And no, I am not doing that. Now. My body's reminding me I'm not 15 years old <laughs> anymore. But, um, yeah, guys, don't forget, you're, you're, you're on a journey. There's no finish line here. This whole thing that you're living called life, it's just a bunch of stepping stones. So don't get yourself all worked up. Um, you, you know, put forth your best effort because, you know, preparation, we're, you know, meets opportunity that's when things happen and and there could be a moment right down the road when you have this huge epiphany if you've got kids you know ex- expose them to as many good things as you possibly can you never know what those little suckers pick up on man it's and don't be afraid to challenge them either you know yeah. that's that's how they're going to get better and then yeah. that's going to make you a better person because you're huh? you're challenging yourself to do that on because all you want to do when you're a parent is just protect them well and do things for them so they don't get hurt exactly right like yesterday, I'll give you a great example. Yesterday, yesterday I'm outside washing a car. My neighbor comes over. My daughter comes out to me. She's like, "I'm hungry," and I said, "What you, what you need, sweetheart?" And she's like, "I'm hungry." And she's, I said, "Well, try go inside and see what you can make up for yourself, right?" And so she she walks away, and the neighbor looks at me. He's like, "I could never get away with that. My wife would kill me." And I was like, "Well, this isn't about me going against my wife. It's a matter of I'm trying to teach my daughter to be sufficient. I want her to be a girl, a woman, feminine, but also want her to be a little badass." Like, I want her to be able to take care of herself and not need anybody. If, if someone comes into her life, great. It's an asset. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. But at the end of the day, she can take care of herself. So guess what she did? She goes inside. After my neighbor Josh leaves, I walk inside to check on her. She's got four plates on the table <laughs> or on the island. She's got a salad made for me and my father. And she had candy, one piece of candy on each one. And she had made not only herself, but her brother lunch and my father and I lunch. That's awesome. That's training. That's teaching your kids how to take care, you know, be mindful, take care of themselves, right? Take care of yourself first. Put, you know, the oxygen mask deal on planes. Exactly. When one drops, you need to take care of yourself first, and then you can assist others. That's what she did. But she she wasn't so self-centered and selfish to the point where she only did hers. Only did hers, you know, and she knows that a rising tide lifts all ships, right? And and she was taking care of the family unit. And that's something we're losing in society today is that family unit. We'll get into that in another, another podcast. Um but guys, that's that's been an hour. I can't believe that was an hour, Kyle. That was a good one. That's good. I hope there. I hope you guys got a lot of juicy stuff out of that. We'll we can talk more about my racing career later. But you know that has that has without my racing career, Dawson Manufacturing, and all the things that we've done to help all these landscapers across the nation. I mean, the biggest landscape company in the world owns a ton of our units, and they see a seventy five percent increase in their production. Yeah, and all that stems from my racing career, knowing numbers living by the dying by the stopwatch and being able to fabricate things all of this is because of racing weight reduction in some of the parts like the cartmate knuckles yes you know that's all those circles that you see in the cartmate knuckles those are all weight reduction that yep. stems from the racing that's all there and you just not carry around extra weight it's just it's inefficient exactly so, guys thank you for um 
you know, lasting this long in the podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. I know I'm, I'm enjoying this journey with you guys. Uh, remember to follow us. Um, remember to go on YouTube and, and subscribe and leave some comments on what you want to, you know, hear, see. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these podcasts we're going to have up on YouTube as well soon. When once we get the studio set up. And, and what's the YouTube name so everybody can go find? So it? Life in the Fast Lane is the YouTube. We're going to probably keep it on the Mulchmate page. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also going to start my own Nick Carlson. Um, YouTube channel where I'll vlog uh, different things of my life, what's going on, give you guys kind of the background of what I'm doing, and we'll, we'll all share. the cars and stuff will be over there. The cars, the life, the vacations, the the journey in, in business. You know, I'm going to give you kind of a back background. What is it called? Um, a back scene. What, why can't I think of the word? Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Thank you very there much. You go. Behind the scenes. Look at what you know. What goes on, and the reason we call this life in the fast lane is because we simply live a very fast-paced life, and it's not just about business. It's not just about Dawson Manufacturing and Mulchmate. It's about you know giving it all you got and doing it at a high rate of speed. So again, guys, thanks for uh, following us, and uh, make sure you share with your friends. Pay the fee. Exactly. Little Andy Frisella there. There you go. Bam. Take care, guys. <laughs>